You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. This is going to be a very different episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. Before we get there, I want to welcome back uh, co-host Nikki Dunnigan. Nikki, it's been a minute since we've spoken. How are you? It has. It has. Um, it's been it's been good. It's been a busy summer. Um, been all over the place, doing a million things. So, yeah, been good, though. Um, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing OK. You know, it, same busy summer. Um, I know that Dan and I have done a couple shows. I've done a couple individual shows as listeners to this know. And, you know, I think aside from this, uh, well, first of all, it's nice to see that you got your power back. I know you're got, you got some bad storms out by you. Yeah, we did. We had a tree, um, fall. I mean, thankfully it was towards the back of the property. didn't do anything, but yeah, the power was going on and off all night. It went off the second I put my dino chicken nuggets in the toaster oven. So, you know, that was a problem, but, (laughs) um, yeah, we have power has been restored. We are good. No damage to the house, just lots of debris to clean up. So many leaves in the pool. Um, oh. But that is what my husband is for. So <laughs> good old Jonathan, Jonathan Dun- Dunnigan, <laughs> our our, uh, our honorary uh, fifth member, I think, at this point. Yeah. Um, so uh, at the top of the show, oh, and first and foremost, I should remind everyone that we are powered by Bridgestone Golf, which is I'm sure they're going to love uh, the topic that we're talking about today. So. Uh, listeners know that we have joined a new podcast network. It's the believe.com uh, podcast network. It's uh, B L E A V.com. And one of the things that Nikki, we were talking about was, Hey, let's just do more topics. It doesn't necessarily have to only be about golf. We like other things than golf. Right. And mm-hmm. obviously one of the biggest things of this summer that we've worked into our busy schedules are watching two of the most blockbuster movies that have come out in a long time and that being Oppenheimer and Barbie. And so I finally had the chance to watch Barbie, uh, Sunday night. My wife and I went, uh, now did you see both on the same day? Did you do the whole Barbenheimer? There you go. Did Did you do the whole, I did. I did Barbenheimer. Um, we went the Friday that it came out. Uh, we went to the, um, the mall of Georgia. Um, for those of you in Georgia who are familiar, um, it is the big, the big IMAX theater, here um me and my best friend who we're we're big movie nerds um we do the oscars ballot and stuff together every year um she's she's also a teacher and it was her literally her last day of summer and she was like there's nothing i want to do more on my last day of summer than sit in a movie theater from 9 a.m to 5 p.m so um yeah we went to the mall of georgia and uh started with oppenheimer um because originally, you know, you're thinking like, let's start with the downer and then end with like the upper. Um, after watching both of them, I was like, we should have gone the other way. Like, mm-hmm. we should. Uh, there was too much to think about. It was too heavy to then go into Barbie being like, hi, Barbie, I'm pink. And then like, <laughs> like I was still like emotionally like, Ooh. After Oppenheimer mm. to then go right into Barbie and all the pink and the laughter. And I mean, it, it was a good release, but like maybe you should have done it the other way. 
yeah, I could imagine. I was wondering how you worked it out. And my, my brother-in-law uh, went to see Oppenheimer first, and that was probably two or three weeks ago. And uh, my wife and I went and saw Barbie on Sunday, like I said. And I couldn't imagine, because I know that that was the thing to do. The Friday, these two great directors go watch them both in the same day. And holy mm -hmm. cow. I mean, Oppenheimer being three hours long. And I think Barbie was over two, if I remember right. One hour and 54 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a commitment, like you said, from 9 a.m. till you did a nine to five. Just all yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was the only time that we could find that had Oppenheimer. Yeah, we started Oppenheimer at 9 a.m., <laughs> which was early. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's an early time to uh, revisit one of the more dark times in our history <laughs> with the Manhattan Project. Mm -hmm. But let's let's start there. So uh, and listeners, full disclosure, I mean, Nikki and I are just going to kind of riff on on these two movies. Um, so Oppenheimer, obviously. Uh, uh, oh, I should also disclose if you've not seen the movies. I mean, sorry, we're going to we probably talk some about some some spoilers here. Also, yeah. if you don't know history. Right. So there's some spoilers in the movie. Yeah. Maybe don't I, go see it if you don't right. know what happens. I was, it's funny you mentioned that because I was, um, I was on the call with someone else who will remain nameless and they're like, Oh, what is Oppenheimer about? And I'm like, Okay, all right, well, <laughs> we got a long way to go. Uh, at any rate, we both started with Oppenheimer first in our experience, and uh, obviously, you and I both knew going in at least the story, but we didn't know all of the details. Um, we're all, we'll also get to the point that there were some cameos in both movies that I did not expect. I, I purposely did not look at like IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or anything. I wanted to be surprised because nowadays it feels like you can go on Twitter or wherever and just everything gets ruined. So I, I, I purposely avoided that. But Oppenheimer going in, um, what were some of the the elements that you were expecting, knowing Christopher Nolan, the director's work? What were you kind of expecting to experience in terms of like sound or or just the way it looks? So, like I said, we saw it in IMAX, so we like I was fully expecting a lot of um, a lot of on screen things that like make make the the whole theater like make you feel the movie all around you mm -hmm. um and yes he is an excellent storyteller um yes he is great at casting as we have seen um but like his whole thing with a lot of his movies is like you know IMAX is the way to go like I, I was fully expecting to like feel my seat shaking and, you know, like just to feel the movie physically um, in addition to seeing a great story, which is exactly what happened. Like, you yeah. know, where the, the screen is like from floor to ceiling and, you know, it, it opens in the first like two minutes of the, the movie is them showing visual rep representations of like, Adam splitting and like there's mm -hmm. fire on the screen and, and it's all loud and very shaky. And um, I actually looked at my friend and said, we should have done drugs before we came to this movie. Um, <laughs> but um, like 
but you, but you could, you could feel it all around you. And I'm actually funny enough when we went to see Barbie, actually, I think it was the second time I saw Barbie um, with my mom and sister, we were in Barbie and it was like, you could tell the moment that the bomb dropped in Oppenheimer next door, because in sitting in Barbie, you could feel the theater shake in there. Really? Um, because yeah. Yeah. From the movie next door. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, some of the, the movies that this guy's made, obviously, you know, uh, the dark Knight, although entire Batman trilogy, uh, most recent one rather, um, you know, Inception and the and the list goes on and on. You know that you're going to get incredible sound. Uh, my wife always makes fun of me because I'm always big on cinematography. And she like, we'll be watching a movie and she'll look at me. It's like, is the cinematography good on this one? I'm like, OK, whatever. But um, yeah, and going into it, uh, you know, there were scenes that for me were like, oh, my God, I, I didn't even notice it was happening until I was in the middle of that scene, meaning like there's this one where he's giving that talk after successfully doing the test. And he's in that like that auditorium. It looked like an old high school auditorium. Mm-hmm. He's talking. Everyone's cheering around him. And I didn't even notice. Oh, you can't hear them. Mm-hmm. Like it was like they zoned in and zoned. I'm like, oh, my God, this thing's going to win for sure for best sound. It's, it, it was absolutely incredible. And to your point, we also were at a theater um, where there was that, that rumble you could feel, you know, where mm-hmm. you were sitting and it was just an immersive experience to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I have seen, I've seen both of them twice now and I saw the second one um, in a not IMAX and it made a difference. It really did because that same scene that you're talking about, I mean, I mean, you're still in a movie theater, so the sound is still huge and massive, but it didn't quite feel as like hitting me in the chest, you know, and like kind of wrapping all around me. And it was it was still great, but it just it didn't feel as like like you're saying, like taking you away kind of. Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the more interesting things to me is how like it seems like everything with Christopher Nolan is very connected and. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's very big on like, if I've put you in one movie, I'll put you in another, you know, and he, everybody knows, you know, like, oh, well, Leo's been in a lot of his movies. And obviously, um, is it is it Cillian or Killian? I, never I, know I think it depends who you ask. Right? I always say Cillian, but I have <laughs> heard people say Killian. I don't even know. Um, but, you know, obviously he's been in a lot of his movies before. Um, and... Um, you know, people make jokes about him like, oh, like Christopher Nolan has a crush on him. And, you know, but um, (laughs) when when they finished filming Tenet, um, Mm. Robert Pattinson gave Christopher Nolan a book about Oppenheimer. And that is kind of what inspired him to to do this movie. Um, So really, without Twilight, we wouldn't have Oppenheimer. There it is. Is my argument there because <laughs> without Twilight and the popularity of Twilight, they wouldn't have recognized Robert Pattinson, and Robert Pattinson wouldn't have gotten casted in Tenet, and then he wouldn't have given you know him the book. So we can thank you know. <laughs> Twilight for Oppenheimer. One of the 
Okay. One of the things that I, listeners, uh, and, one and, of the things, and, and, and yeah. Twilight gave us Taylor Lautner, which <laughs> gave us the relationship of Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift. I, which, I knew that's what, yeah. <laughs> which gave us um, Back to December and Haunted on Speak Now. So, so listeners, um, there are very few people who I appreciate more than my friend Nikki Dunnigan. And it's stuff like this that she just makes these connections. Everything you just said was true. It's absolutely true. Um, I, I was thinking, what a weird gift for Robert Pattinson to give. Like, here's this book about the hydrogen bomb or the, you know, I, what? But yeah, it makes sense. He, they were playing chess. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> that just totally threw me, but I loved it. I loved it. Um, now, I didn't know. I'm kind of a history geek. Um, knowing what we know, you know, from the aftermath and all the technology that came out of everything that Oppenheimer did. For me, uh, watching it, super cool to see Einstein depicted. You know, it's just the fact, oh, okay, there's Einstein. And it's like, oh, that's neat. We're going to talk about that now. And then there was this this interactivity among uh, Robert Oppenheimer and then all of the other scientists of the time. Like, I didn't realize they were so close knit. Like, everyone knew who they were. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, like, all right, is there anything that is similar to that in that it's such a small world? And I'm not trying to force or like shoehorn golf into this at all but I just shoehorned golf and i mean um, oppenheimer and twilight so like fair honor. enough I'll, go ahead yeah i mean it's like in golf this little golf niche media thing that we do everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. but it was yeah. just like i was i was watching i'm like holy cow like i didn't realize uh, you know he knew everyone in germany and they knew everyone in sweden and russia and all that and they were just like this little club that were recruiting each other and they were competing with one another. That, that was the competition. Everyone talks about the United States versus Germany at the time, of course, for good reason. But in all reality, these intellect, these intellectuals were competing with one another. That was surprising to me to see it, how well done it was done. It's like the, um, there was an article that I want to say that golf digest did a couple years ago about, I don't know if this was the exact title, but like the theme of it was basically like the six degrees of Hallie Ledbetter um, mm. and how like everyone knows her or is connected to her in some way. And like, is like, do, please do not take this the wrong way or requote or quote this the wrong way, because I am not saying that Hallie Ledbetter is the Robert Oppenheimer of golf, <laughs> but like, is like the way that he, everyone was connected vaguely like through him, like that could be like, you know, everyone is Mm -hmm. connected vaguely. Everybody knew him somehow. And that was how everyone was connected was through him. Yeah. It it was truly wild. Um, Hallie Ledbetter being, please do not pull that quote. I'm saying that right now. Do not pull that (laughs) quote. And man, I promise I will not do that. Um, the uh, the cast of characters that come in and out of this extremely long movie, um, I assume that you've seen JFK. 
from uh, the, the old Oliver Stone uh, epic masterpiece shot in a very similar way. There were black and white parts. There were the, the you know, it kind of helped guide the viewer through, all right, this was then, this is now. Um, and then just the people who would make cameos in and out, you know, it was truly just staggering up into, and again, spoiler alert, you know, Harry Truman. I mean, I didn't even know that Gary Oldman was in this movie. And then all of a sudden I, it's like, oh. I, like you, did not look up the cast ahead of time. I knew the the cast from the trailer. So I knew like Emily Blunt. I knew like Robert Downey Jr. I knew Matt Damon. That was about it. Um, and the second they like, because, you know, they they had him out of focus. They waited. They like slow panned up to his face. The second he started speaking, I went, that's Sirius Black. That's Gary Oldman. I <laughs> exactly. clocked him instantly. Mm -hmm. And it's only because it's he's an actor that I love so much. Yeah. And it's funny. When I saw it the first time with my best friend, like I said, she and I are very big movie geeks. She, the whole time she and I are both like, is that Josh Hartnett? That's not Josh. That, that Josh Hartnett? Yeah. We're like, is that Josh Peck? From Drake and Josh <laughs> getting more screen time than like Oscar winner Gary Oldman and Oscar winner like Remy Malik. Are you kidding mm -hmm. me? Um, mm -hmm. But you know, we're, we're clocking all these different people. And then I go to see it a second time with my husband. And again, I have seen it. I know who's coming. He doesn't. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> and I'm like, do you know who that is? Do yeah. you know who that is? And he's like, give me a second. And I'm like, I'll give you two more seconds and I'm telling you who it is. And he's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Who is that? He looks so familiar. And when I told him, he goes, what? That doesn't even look like him. I was like, yes, it does. It obviously does. <laughs> and like, I was so yeah. mad that even after I told him that he hadn't put it together. Um, but yeah, the, the, the cameos were great. Some of the... Um, I wouldn't say they're cameos because it wasn't an actual like actor, but some of the like the even even some of the like the Einstein pull-ins felt a little. I, and most people are saying this online and being like it felt like like a Marvel movie kind of um, yeah. yeah teasers like the line at the very end where they were like um, oh yeah one of the holdouts was uh, uh you know one of the big uh, he's a senator from Massachusetts trying to make a name for himself um Kennedy, right, yeah. John F Kennedy and I'm like yeah like just like there there's a better way to throw that in I mean yeah it's cool and everyone like everyone's like oh yeah JFK like but it felt <laughs> very yeah it felt very like we were going to see a title scene at the end that's like JFK will appear next in like you know, yeah. the Avengers, like in an Iron Man suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and and the the cool irony, of course, is that Robert Downey Jr. is the one that gets his comeuppance from. Yeah, who we're talking about. Yeah, who yeah. was so, by the way was in the movie a lot more than I thought he would be. He was phenomenal, and Absolutely. he, I truly think, will. I think that. I'm it's going to be it's going to be hard when it comes down to because the Golden Globes, they split drama and comedy 
for mm -hmm. supporting actor. The Oscars, they do not. So he and Ryan Gosling will actually be like competing against each other for that supporting actor role. Um, it's going to be tough. Um, yeah. Unless, unless they just throw Ryan Gosling into best actor category because they like, he is an act. He's the actor in the Barbie movie, but I, he's not technically the, he's not the headliner. So they don't normally do that. Um, right. So I think he will get the golden globe for best supporting actor in a drama. I don't know that he will get it over Ryan Gosling for the Oscar, despite how great he was in that movie mm. though. Yeah. He was yeah. fantastic. I, and it reminded me a lot of um, what's the, what's the bang bang movie that he's in. Um, oh, shoot, I'm blanking on the title, but something, something bang bang. Um, I can't remember it. But yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. Okay. And like his early days, pre-Iron Man, proving that he is more, he can do more than be just, I think using his quote, be a man in a, in a, in a suit, you know, and just mm -hmm. say his lines, um, which kiss, he kiss, even kiss, said. bang, bang, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. God, thank yep. you. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, so he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I won't repeat what you just said. I, I agree with all of it. Um, and I, I think that's that's true, too, at least in terms of awards, because I, I mean, you and I know each other well enough to know that we love watching those award uh, shows. And, you know, to kind of tiptoe into Barbie as well. I mean, the the performances from these these actors Certainly Oppenheimer, you got the, dr the drama, you've got that major epic three hour type thing where you're going to have uh, you, you are expecting incredible performances just due to the context and the um, the topic that's being discussed in Barbie. I was blown away by certainly a completely different movie. Very, very, very important message, which we could talk about if you want to, but. Ryan Gosling blew me away with how well he worked as a comedic actor in that. Like, I don't view Ryan Gosling as someone who does a ton of comedy. I know he has. Uh, he's He's got a long uh, repertoire now of different movies that he's done. But I remember reading something, saying him saying, and I'm paraphrasing, how hard of a time he had to learn how to deliver comedy while also, I mean, while crying, while being angry by doing all these things, he he uh, admitted he had such a hard time learning that element. And from what I remember, because every male actor in Barbie land is called Ken, I don't think he hmm. was the top pick. If I remember, did you read anything about that? Yeah, actually. So um, Greta Gerwig reached out to him and asked if he would uh if he would play and he can and he was like I don't know and he originally was like I don't I don't really think I want to and he was kind of you know iffy on it at first and so they started interviewing some other people and then um he because he's got a couple kids and he 
went outside into the yard and he saw um, his daughter's Ken doll. Um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this story here, but um, sure. he told this on, I don't remember which late night show, but he saw his daughter's Ken doll um, <laughs> in the dirt like this. And so he um, took a picture of it and sent it to Greta Gerwig and said, I will be your Ken. His story must be told. And so that's how he that's how he decided to be Ken was when he saw his daughter's Ken doll and realized like, oh, like yeah, there is actually something here. That's that's awesome. I didn't know that. And and I, I'm realizing now that we're like twenty-four minutes into this, you know, I think it's okay that we're not getting too deep into plot twists or anything like that because i mean it's still relatively recent even though these movies have been out for a while now the listeners don't worry we're not going to spoil everything for you if you haven't had a chance to go see it but staying on barbie obviously it's getting a lot of attention in the news for different reasons uh but you and i being very like-minded i think uh, and my wife certainly that way um watching this knowing what we knew going in um, it was almost very difficult to avoid kind of the, all right, well, th this isn't going to meet the movie you thought it was going to be. And pleasantly surprised, at least from uh, my point of view, I, I would imagine that you would agree uh, on the angle that it took. You know, it started off for all intents and purposes in Barbie land. Women ruled the world. Everything was great. Every everything was perfect. Um, we both, of course, I'm sure everyone did get the chuckle out of her taking uh, Margot Robbie, Barbie, stereotypical Barbie, stepping out of her high heels and her feet staying that way. Um, that that was that was little little things like that that my wife certainly picked up on and had to tell me, oh yeah, her, the the doll's feet never changed; they were always that way. Um, and then, of course, later on in the movie, they go to the real world. You know, Ken. Noted, played by Ryan Gosling and uh, noticed that it was completely the opposite. As we all know, the real world, completely different. Um, and then there's an entire message behind that, that some people like others don't. I enjoy the hell out of it. But getting back to the messaging behind the movie, knowing what you knew going into it, would you say that it checked all the boxes for you in that regard? Not only as someone uh, who is a who is I don't want to speak for you, but who is supportive of that messaging, but also someone looking at it from the perspective like my wife was, grew up playing with these dolls, knew all these little things. Did that kind of check all the boxes for you? Yeah. So the first time, the first time that I saw it, I, I mean, obviously, because it's like opening weekend, you know, nobody knows what the movie is going to be like. So we're all assuming that it's going to be just like this you know, oh, it's happy. Oh, it's pink. Oh, it's, you know, Barbie faces something. Because, you know, that, I mean, that happened in the trailer. Like, you know, it's telling you like, oh, Barbie has some sort of life crisis and she has to go figure it out. And, you know, we don't know what that is, but we're still assuming that it's going to be very happy, very peppy, very pink. And um, the last 20 minutes of the movie, I am like, holding back tears and walking out of there with like a borderline existential crisis because mm -hmm. I'm like, what, what was I made for? Like what, right. you know, and the, the, there's, there's a, a lot of 
there's a whole line about, you know, mothers and daughters and, um, you know, being the fact that, you know, mothers, I forget the exact quote, but, you know, mothers step back so that daughters can, so that they can see how far their daughters can go. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it left me, you know, after watching, after watching it the first time, it left me having so much more of an appreciation for my mom and for everything that she has done for me to get to where I am. And, you know, thinking like, and feeling a little bit like when I left the theater, because everyone in there is, is in pink and everyone is excited and everyone is, you know, oh, it's in Barbie world. And then you leave the theater and it almost felt like leaving the theater felt a little bit like leaving Barbie land. Like, you know, Mm. okay, now we're like walking back out into the world where things aren't like, where we all just were seeing this message and feeling this sense of like camaraderie together. And now we're walking out into back out into them to the mall where we're like, everyone didn't just see that message with us and like, they aren't having the same feelings that we are. And so it just, it, I don't know, it felt very much like we were walking out of Barbie land, you know, and it, I don't know, that that's kind of the feeling I got the first time. The second time I saw it, um, I knew going in, I was like, okay, like, I, I know what the ending is this time. Like, I know what to expect, but I saw it with my mom and sister. And so I was like, I at least can kind of brace myself. And like, I'm not gonna, you know, but my, like, as that big kind of scene came on, like, I could, I could see my mom getting, she didn't just like sob, but like, I could see like her holding back tears. And I could tell she was kind of having a lot of the same feelings, you know, and like she's sitting there with her two daughters in this scene where it's talking about how mothers stand back and so they can watch their daughters move forward. And, you know, she, she also, she lost her mother a a few years ago too. So she's probably having feelings about that. And so it's, it's just a very emotional scene about like, you know, life moving forward. And, you know, I've, I've also had a lot of thoughts about just how women are perceived in the world Mm -hmm. and moving forward forward and um you know yeah it it didn't meet my expectations in terms of like I was expecting just like a happy kind of almost not a kids movie but just like a you know all around yay kind of movie not that it doesn't have a happy Mm -hmm. ending but you know um but it didn't like it didn't upset me by not meeting my expectations like it it went above my expectations, I guess, because it like, I've seen it twice and I would definitely see it again. And I think, um, I think it's one of my favorite movies of the year. And like I said before, Mm -hmm. I think Ryan Gosling is going to win the Oscar for his performance by far. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was outstanding. Uh, Margot Robbie, uh, excellent as well. I mean, in all the uh, America Ferreira and she's going to get a ton of, attention in a good way for her monologue Mm -hmm. and holy cow i mean i mean if anyone's on tiktok you probably saw versus just in your algorithm it may pop up and it's it's so good and obviously being a male and having not played with you know barbie and ken growing up uh having a sister who did married to a wife who did um similar looking over at my wife, those parts of the movie that you were just uh, describing, 
she was also holding back tears, you know, and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm sitting here uh, observing this movie, taking it in, catching the little inside joke type things that they would throw out there. Very well done. Um, But also the way that they would frame things that were done in a comedic way. Uh, One that springs to mind is when they first get into the real world, Barbie's walking around with Ken and Barbie says, I'm feeling this type of, of conscious and it's like of myself and, you know, just kind of stuff like that. And then where Ken's saying, Oh, I feel admiration or however you put it, little things like that, that were done to get a chuckle out of you. But then I look over at my wife and she's just kind of like, yep, that's how it is. And so, our theater, because uh, you had mentioned, you know, the kids and dressed up in pink as and we had a bunch of kids in our theater. It was a Sunday night. I was actually surprised at how many there were. And I'm watching there and so many thoughts are going through my head like, wow, this is so important for all of you to be watching this. But also, I don't know what you expected to come in. <laughs> you know, like you're not going to get the the movie that you probably thought you were getting, young lady. But I'm glad that you're here to watch this. And it's, it's just so darn good. I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but between Oppenheimer and Barbie, in your mind, Nikki, which one was the better movie? Oh, Barbie. Like, uh, hands I would down. agree. Yeah, absolutely. When yeah. we were leaving the theater, um, there was the, the first day that we saw it, it was mostly, um, it was mostly like adults and teenagers. There was a few young kids. The second time that I saw it, um, there was a handful more like younger kids. Um, and we were leaving the theater and the seat directly in front of me was a mom and a little girl. And she had like pigtails and like bows. I mean, they had gone all out with the pink. And when they were leaving the theater, that it made me laugh. But then at the same time, I was like, oof. I mean, yeah. She said, um, she goes, what's patriarchy? And like, oh man, because, because you know they talk about it so much in the movie, yeah. and you know it's one of the words that they use over and over and over. And like, you know, she's, it's, it's something that like, obviously it's it's going over her head, and it's not, it's not meant for her in that moment. But like at the same time, it was funny to me, and I laughed. But at the same time, I was like, good, ask the mm-hmm. question. Like, yeah. have somebody have to tell you what it is. Like. But yeah, um, Mm. yeah. Well, there was that there was that very overt message in Barbie. Certainly appreciate, uh, loved every second of it. There was the historical overtness, if that's a thing, of Oppenheimer, where the main attraction of Oppenheimer was the invention uh, on paper was the invention of the bomb. The underlying connotation was look at all the BS that he had to go through. And I'm speaking about like the the secret hearing that he had to go through and that was completely set up against him. And the the political undertones, of course, that we won't go too deep into, but it, it was almost like, OK, it's and this is in reference to some of the criticism that I think Barbie is unfairly receiving you go into Oppenheimer knowing that there's going to be a political component to this because it's a historical movie. Mm-hmm. You go into Barbie, you're not expecting that, but holy cow, it's such, 
in my opinion, it was done so much better to get that message across in Barbie than it was in Oppenheimer. And I don't know if that's just because it was expected in one movie and not the other. I don't know. How, how do you feel with that, that whole undertone? I think one of, one of the biggest scenes that struck me in Oppenheimer is at the, at the end when they're doing the, the question or, um, uh, trial for him um you know they've already questioned everybody else um they're they're now putting him on the stand and really they're questioning him about his morals and like Mm. his moral dilemma and why he all of a sudden felt like you know oh well you built the bomb and now you like suddenly felt like you didn't want to build the the bigger bomb, the H bomb, basically. Um, why, like, when did your morals kick in? And they're trying to get at the fact that like your morals kicked in because you felt bad that the Russians, that there was a Russian spy and you feel bad that you let the Russian spy in and mm-hmm. get the plans and you don't think that we should build a bomb anymore because you feel bad that you let a spy in. That's what they right. are trying to get him to admit to. That's what they're trying to imply. They're trying to dig at him and get him to say. He is what what they're forgetting and what I think they're what my interpretation of the whole scene was is they're forgetting that he is a scientist. He thinks like a scientist. He thinks extremely logical. And they outline this throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And he thinks extremely logical. And he said this when he was like, I don't have to join the Communist Party to like think ideo- I- ideologically. Like I don't have to sign a card and join the Communist Party just to disagree with this person. Like, I, cause I also don't agree with everything in the communist party. Like, and you right. know, he also said like, I can build a bomb and I can explore these scientific things because I am a scientist, but mm-hmm. my, my, my heart can also disagree with using this bomb on people. And just right. because I am, I am building the bomb, like the way that his mind works is that he thinks that just because I am building the bomb doesn't mean that I agree with using the bomb on innocent people. And right. he thinks that those are two different things. He thinks that he can get away with still building the bomb and like not be held accountable for the using of the bomb because that's the way that his logical science brain works. And the, what they're trying to convey to him is that's not how the world works. That's not how right. the world is going to see you. The world is going to see you as the one who built the bomb and was took part in helping drop the bomb. And I think that's why the Truman scene is so important. And they were like, Truman was like, you didn't drop the bomb. I dropped the bomb. Right. And that, I don't know. I think that was a, a big piece of it for me was like, there was that that was what they were driving home the whole time was like his scientific brain not being able to differentiate between the two and then that final scene when he's like i think we broke the world is when he's able to like put them together and be like 
oh crap, like just because I thought I could build it and disagreed with it, like it didn't matter. It was going to happen anyway. And now we broke everything. Like and right. it, those two thoughts finally kind of came together. That that was my kind of interpretation of the the political yeah. aspect of it. And uh, before we wrap up here in a little bit, the you make reference to the final scene in Oppenheimer, which to me was the most one of the most powerful um, because as Nolan and this might be spoiler ish, but as Nolan did with the the uh, I guess the cinematography <laughs> um, where he showed how nuclear weapons kind of came next um, to the point of did we just break the world uh, re referencing a conversation between Einstein and Oppenheimer. Um, conversely, the final scene in Barbie <laughs> was yeah. that that solidified, I think. Oh, by the way, we could still laugh. Yeah, we could still laugh at this. Um, everyone thinking, I, at least I was getting ready for a job interview or something coming out of the car now in real world and where she ends up going. I won't spoil it too much because it is a funny moment. I think that was a very important scene for Barbie insofar as happy ending, heavy content, heavy message, important message. But yet, yeah, this is still some comedic relief. This is still a comedy. It's okay to laugh. You're on mm -hmm. your way now. Yeah. That was the impression I got from that. Yeah. Yeah. But also the very underlying implication of like, like this is another thing that she, as a woman, she's got to deal with like now. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very subtle, very, but still. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It, it, just really well done. I mean, I don't want to get too heavy handed here, but. I mean, would were these be classified as works of art to you in your mind? Barbie for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oppenheimer is, I mean, to me, it's just like a classic Christopher Nolan film. Like, I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's just going to continue on in like his legacy of like long list of films. But like, I think, I think Barbie is, has gone above that. I think um, mm. like, like I made a joke today to someone about like, like in the year of Barbie, like in the year of, you know, like people are with between Barbie and to tie this back to Taylor Swift between Barbie and like Taylor Swift, like this is like the, the summer of like girl power. Like this is the summer yeah. of like where women are like, we're, we're doing whatever we want. Like, and we're not like, we don't care anymore. If you make fun of us for liking things, we don't care anymore. If you think that we look silly, we're just gonna be because we enjoy this, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna wear pink and we're gonna. And that was another aspect of the movie that like, cause when I was growing up, I didn't wear a lot of pink because I was like, Oh, well that's, like the, the girly girls wear pink and I want to be different. I don't want to be right. like that. And so I think now, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of girls that were like that. And I think now mm -hmm. it's very much like, if you want to wear pink, wear pink. If you don't want to wear pink, don't wear pink, but like just embrace who you are and not, don't feel like you have to be something different to appease someone, just be who you are. And I think between that and like the era's tour, that's, kind of the 
motion moving forward. Amen to that. And if people don't like who you are, you could just make a bomb, I guess. I don't know. Is that the, maybe. the next step there? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so extremely good movies. Obviously, uh, we're going to be hearing a lot about them come award season. We've already outlined a few, uh, you know, somewhat predictions. Um, we're on the same page with those. I, I think I am not convinced that either of them win best picture only because I haven't seen, nor do I know, of course, anyone else that's nominated or any other movies that are nominated, but uh, it's going to take a lot. I mean, I think for me, as I said before, I agree Barbie being the better movie artistically as well as the message. I think that would have a, uh, I would love if I had my druthers, Nikki, I would, I would give the award to that uh, just from the creativity aspect alone and the, um, I believe it was a it was an original screenplay. I would imagine that wasn't mm -hmm. based on anything other than so that it'll probably win for that too. Um, but as we know, Hollywood, the way that it works, Oppenheimer. I mean, Hollywood loves big, epic, historical things, and certainly Christopher Nolan, the Academy, uh, his mark, Love. the Academy. Sorry, mm -hmm. correct. And so um, that may artificially enchance, enchance, enhance the chances of Oppenheimer, but. We'll see. I, I really hope Barbie gets all the accolades that it that it deserves um, and Oppenheimer, certainly for uh, maybe some of the more, I'll say, fringe awards like sound and others for sure. Yeah. Well, my son is he doesn't know this yet, but he's going to be um, Ryan Gosling's version of Ken because he's got that bright blonde hair. Um, I'm forcing <laughs> my husband to be another Ken and I'm going to be um, a version of Barbie for Halloween. So we're going mean, to, everybody's going to be a, right. a Barbie something for Halloween this year. So nice. So yeah, we're, we're joining in and um, yeah, we're doing Barbie Halloween for sure. Excellent. I hope you uh, invest in the Ken uh, belt buckle in the Metallica font. That was one of my favorite accessories that uh, Gosling had during the movie Yeah, and the fur coat. And the fur coat, of course. Yep. I have been searching um, high and low for a toddler-sized mm -hmm. fur coat just, just for that reason. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, this was fun. Uh, listeners, thanks for hanging out. Um, obviously, uh, we, we talked a little bit about golf, but you, know, you may hear uh, more episodes like this moving forward. I know that there's a lot to talk about. Um, and plus, golf is just weird right now, at least men's professional golf. So uh, regular season is done there. Uh, we've got a few events that we will probably talk a little bit about coming up, including the Ryder Cup uh, in September, I believe. So, uh, Nikki, thanks for hopping on, talking through this, and we'll do another one. Yep. Maybe next time we'll talk about the um, Alabama Riverwalk Brawl. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs>